Welcome to A World on Fire, an All-Star Squadron podcast. I'm your host, Billy D, and here with me is my co-host, Herman Lowe. How are you, buddy? Hey, Billy. I'm great, man. As Royce wants to do, I'm going to start us off with a quote, uh, just to, mm-hmm. to make sure you're an American, aren't you? Of course, yes. <laughs> so, yes. so don't get offended by this quote. <laughs> this is not from me. This is from, <laughs> from the esteemed Mr. Churchill himself, who's featured in this issue that we're going to be discussing this mm. week. Listen to this. Listen to this, uh, Billy and all of our American listeners. Please don't hate me. Hate Winston. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you can always count on Americans to do the right thing after they've tried everything else. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. Ouch. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I wouldn't have agreed with him, you know, but because I've always been a big fan of you know uh all the pop culture and everything that comes out of the states ever since i was a little kid mm-hmm. i mean i yeah I, I think it even improved my english you know um uh indirectly you know because um i don't mm-hmm. speak the traditional british english that you learn in, in in south africa or the south african english i should call it it's it's even totally different than the british english but i i think i learned a lot of vocabulary and a lot of you know, concepts from, from American stuff. But, you know, getting into uh, more American politics later in life, you know, starting to watch, uh, mm-hmm. you know, more news programs and so forth, that led me to believe, yeah, it's true. <laughs> you know what Winston said. <laughs> sorry, Billy, sorry. I don't mean to offend everyone. But it, but it's true of, of most countries, you know. I'm from South Africa, so I laugh at, you know, our own politics all the time because it's such a travesty. So you guys still mm-hmm. have it better than we do. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, funny. <laughs> funny uh winston there <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yep>. man should have <laughs> been a comedian yeah so look forward oh, to absolutely. some more winston talk later listeners because uh, that's oh, our boy. earth prime archive segment that's, that's <laughs> gonna drop later on all about old uh, winnie the bulldog <laughs> so mr b yeah i'm fine i haven't asked you about you though how have you been doing Pretty good. You know, uh, work's been a little wonky lately, but it's podcasting always gets me in a better mode for sure. So always looking forward to that. Mm, mm. Yeah, no, no, I know. Podcasting mm-hmm. is what uh, is the lifeblood uh, mm-hmm. that pumps through our veins these days because, um, yeah, it's become a thing. I mean, I'm not saying it's it obviously it goes hand in hand with reading comics. But mm-hmm. but now, you know, we're reading comics and enjoying them more because I think we read them more intensely so that we can talk about them on the podcast. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. I'm getting more out of my reading time too, mm-hmm. and that's yeah, definitely yeah, a direct result of, of being a podcaster. And so yeah, but Billy, man, good news for everybody. I mean, not that we hate uh, Mike Macklin and Rick Hoberg and and everybody that's going to be penciling the title uh, from here on out. Probably not Mike Macklin. We've got him over on Infinity Inc. But mm-hmm. um, uh, I love Rick Hoberg. He's going to come on as the penciler pretty soon. But still. 
This time around, we've got our favorite, Jerry Ordway, back. Mm. And specifically, of course, listeners, you know this by now. This is All-Star Squadron number 29 we're going to be discussing. They got Jerry mm-hmm. back as the penciler after he left after that fantastic second annual, um, which is now two months in the past, three months in the past, I think, mm-hmm. um, if you if you look at the date on this comic. But, you know, he, he's back. They got him as a fill-in artist, a guest penciler, because uh, Rick Hobart's wrapping up his Captain Carrot and Amazing Zoo crew run before taking over the reins as, uh, you know, a um, regular penciler. So uh, Jerry was enthusiastic and why was he so enthusiastic, Billy? What, what, I mean, which team is featured in this issue? Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, if you don't know already, uh, the seven soldiers of victory are here. And, wow, how about the Shining Knight making his return to this Oof. title? Oh, oh my unbelievable. Goodness. On the cover, he's mm. right in the center. Uh, mm-hmm. Your eyes are just drawn to him. And then um, on, on his sides are his companions, his former teammates from the seven soldiers of victory who indirectly mm-hmm. now also belong to the all-star squadron i guess since it seems that the <laughs> draft of. you know the superior draft in, initiated by fdr includes every masked hero <laughs> i mean there's no mm-hmm. membership drive or anything you just show up in the pages of all-star squadron uh you know from i mean we'll see that happening with a character called midnight you know in two issues time <laughs> you know you just show mm-hmm. up and you will be granted you know, all-star squadron membership simply by because you wear a mask. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, the Seven Soldiers indirectly part of the all-star squadron, I guess. But this is a adventure from their past that we're going to be discussing here, right, Billy? So a fantastic mm-hmm. penciling by Ordway here. I've, I've, Of course, when I was a kid, I didn't expect him to return. You know, um, I, I knew when I was reading this comic on the regular um, in, the, in the early 80s that uh, he was gone, that he was on Infinity Inc. And I, I was expecting to see some covers from him, you know, which, which was teased by Roy in the special notes section. But I, I did not expect him to return. This was a surprise to me as a kid when I picked up this issue. And I, I just yeah. gushed over the beautiful art again by Jerry. Mm. He's just he's born to draw these uh, Golden Age characters. And um, yeah. So fantastic. One of my favorites of the bunch of All-Star mm-hmm. Squadron issues, this one particularly. So, Billy, we love The Shining Knight, you and I, right? Sir Justin, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and he's back. And uh, it's a good thing, too, because uh, this is sort of a fill-in issue between story arcs. You know, they, they still have to deal with the Black Dragon Society, which, which mm-hmm. Roy teased would be dealt with <laughs> in previous issues <laughs> of All-Star Squadron, because the yeah. Justice Society, of course, uh, have returned um, specifically in the last episode you and I discussed where Dr. Fate and, and the Spectre were involved. And uh, Roy wrapped up that the missing Spectre you know, arc. And he also sort of um, uh, came to uh, wrap up the Dr. Fate arc with the, the whole Mask of Naboo. Um, and, and that worked. You know, I think uh, he, he teased that and he kept his promise and he wrapped up that storyline. And uh, now, uh, because of, you know, the JSA returning, I think readers and, and, and old Golden Age fans were really happy. They wanted more old Golden Age stuff and, and not too, too much new material all the time, you know, which we saw in the, in the Ultra War, you know, with the new members of Infinity Inc. being teased. But Roy also wants to get back to these classic characters that he loves. So since there's yeah. a sort of a, a, a couple of fill-in issues they have to do before Rich, Rick Hobart gets on the title... Uh, mm-hmm. And Roy still has to wrap up the Our Man storyline, which is going to happen then. You know, he decided to, hey, why don't we check in on the Shining Knight <laughs> and what he's doing on, 
uh, you know, uh, you know, in good old England. Mm-hmm. But Billy, before we get into some serious discussion here, can you give us some more detail uh, details about this particular issue? Absolutely. So, like we said, All Star Squadron number twenty nine from nineteen eighty three, cover by Jerry Ordway. It's fabulous. Uh, cover price of seventy five cents. And then uh, we have, of course, writer editor Roy Thomas, guest penciler Jerry Ordway, and Rick Magyar. I'm assuming is how you pronounce his yeah, last Magyar. name. Yeah, uh, hmm. Inker. And then David Cody Weiss, letterer, and Gene D'Angelo on color. So a lot of the you know the usual suspects here, with yeah. the exception to the inker. That's right. The stalwarts are all there. Mm -hmm. And um, Mm -hmm. it falls to me to give the synopsis this time around. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to do that right now. So um, we'll get into some character notes later on. Because if you look at the cover, you can already see the the characters that you might recognize. As a new reader and new listener, you might not recognize them. But I think most of the listeners of the WAF cast (laughs) at this point in time... Oh, yeah. They know these characters, but we'll still go into details and so on, uh, forth mm-hmm. uh, after the synopsis. All right, mm-hmm. so um, uh, the synopsis goes as follows. A shining knight regales British Prime Minister Winston Churchill with a tale from his exploits as a member of the Seven Soldiers of Victory after receiving a message from Liberty Bell summoning him to the first official meeting of the All-Star Squadron. The tale The Shining Knight tells concerns the diabolical scheme of a certain Dr. Doom. Huh? <laughs> okay, well, well that's going to be inter- an interesting discussion to have later on, right, Billy? A certain mm-hmm. Dr. Doom to employ the services of five of history's greatest conquerors. And these include <laughs> Nero, Emperor of Rome, Alexander the Great, Genghis Khan, Attila the Hun, and Napoleon Bonaparte. whom Dr. Doom (laughs) summoned via his time beam in order to steal five rare metals. These metals would enable Doom to enhance the capabilities of his time machine even further and send him into the far future, which is his ultimate goal. And uh, during the newly christened Time Tyrant's first caper, which is just a simple bank heist to acquire funds for (laughs) Doom's experiments... The Time Tyrants encounter Speedy, sidekick of Green Arrow, who is busy testing out a new two-way radio. Knocking the kid hero unconscious and taking the radio as a souvenir, the Time Criminals escape in a getaway plane. The Seven Soldiers of Victory are summoned by Green Arrow and are able to spy on the Time Tyrants via Speedy's stolen radio. Splitting up, they foil the individual schemes of these time-lost conquerors who promptly turn tail and flee back to their own eras. The soldiers track down Doom and pursue him into the past, specifically to the time of the Siege of Troy in ancient Greece. Hurled through time again thanks to one of Doom's time control rods, the soldiers emerge in the villain's HQ, forcing him to flee into the far future without the metals needed to stabilize his machine. And of course, this causes an explosion. That's always a great way to end a comic, right, Billy? And this leaves the seven soldiers <laughs> appropriately victorious. Sir Justin ends the tale by vowing to stick to Churchill's side rather than answering Liberty Bell's summons. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, not not the briefest of synopses, but uh, I tried my best. 
Mm-hmm. No, that's okay. So <laughs> it was Billy, a good one, Billy man. <laughs> since we've only we're only doing the 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 one issue here, and the reason for that is um, we're gonna have a guest on for the next issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've, I neglected to mention that in the beginning of the, the episode, but yeah, that's mm-hmm. why we're not doing our traditional two issue per episode uh, format here. We're, we're mm-hmm. simply talking about the Seventh Soldier of Victory here. Uh, let's mm-hmm. first discuss the cover because this is one mm. of Jerry Ordway's best covers, I think. What do you think about mm-hmm. this this masterpiece? It is awesome. You have the backdrop of the American flag. And then you have uh, Sir Justin front and center on his uh, magical horse, Winged Victory. Mm. And he's holding his sword aloft like he's, you know, about to come swooping down and decapitate someone. And then (laughs) three heroes on each side of him. And it's just, you could not ask for a better cover here. There's just, I I can find no fault in it. But, you know, again, we've uh, gushed over Ordway many times. And it's uh, deservedly so because... The guy's a great artist, and like you said earlier, too, he is really great with these uh, Golden Age characters. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's just, it just um, he found his niche, and, and it mm-hmm. seemed to be involuntary, you know, on his part. It just, he, he lucked into it, sort of, but he, you know, he, he, he's a Superman fan, first and foremost. That's what got him into mm-hmm. drawing. I mean, he did that classic uh, in, the, in the late 70s. It, it, it got him noticed, but of course, other things also got him noticed, like him sending in other samples. But the painting of Christopher Reeve, uh, Superman, you know, the the Superman, the movie painting Jerry mm-hmm. did in the late 70s. I mean, that that was one of the many things that got him noticed then yeah. as a young talent. But still, you know, he <clears throat> not particularly uh, specifically interested. I mean, he is a big fan of Golden Age Heroes. He's just not, that wasn't his main reason or, or ma- main thing he wanted to pencil you know, uh, but but mm-hmm. that's how he, he became known as as a master. <laughs> yeah. You know, of comic book art is from from penciling mm-hmm. these golden age characters. So, Billy, just yeah. a little bit of before we get into the story, just a little bit of um, in, information here about the Seven Soldiers of Victory. Now, the, the 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 interesting thing about them is, if you look at the Justice Society, they were the first ever comic book superhero team, and the Seven Soldiers of Victory, Victory were the second. In all of comicdom, mm-hmm. they were the second superhero team, you know, to to uh, appear in comic books, and that that already makes it very very interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, oh, yeah. so so now they um, first appeared in leading comics, mm-hmm. you know, leading comics number one specifically, um, and that was by Gardner For- Fox and Mort Meskin, and mm-hmm. um, they included heroes mostly. That were non-powered, you know. They um, they didn't really have superpowers. I mean, you could argue that Sir Justin sort of was superpowered, or I mean, he had a magically enhanced armor and a you know flying steed and sword. a magic sword. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But the rest of them were just uh, heroes that relied on their own you know training or or human-like abilities, Skill, but skill yeah. sets that were of course mm-hmm. extraordinary by yeah. by by normal standards, but no no nowhere near superpowered, you know. So. Uh, sort of a direct contrast, if you think about it in that way, to the Justice Society, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So because of that, obviously, uh, that made them interesting and and uh, set them apart from the JSA. And uh, of course, the heroes include the Vigilante. So shout out to our buddy Gore Tolton there. You know, mm-hmm. um, Greg Sanders, the Vigilante, the classic Vigilante from the Golden Age, who's dressed in his cowboy getup. Yep. You know, he's got his his mm-hmm. uh, you know. 
um, band- uh, what is it, bandana tied around his mouth or his uh, mm-hmm. uh, neckerchief, yep. neckerchief tied around his mouth, the red neckerchief with the, the white hat and the, the classic blue, red and white, you know, uh, outfit there, gun belt mm-hmm. and lariat. And then you've got, uh, of course, the Crimson Avenger, who has the, you know, uh, distinction of being DC's very first masked hero, you know, mm-hmm. even before Batman. And then you have Green Arrow yeah. and Speedy, possibly the, the most famous of the, the lineup. And this is, of course, yeah, old sure. Golden Age, you know, as created by Gardner Fox. And then you have the Shining Knight, whom we mentioned, and the Star Spangled Kid and Stripesy. Now, even though Stripesy was a sidekick and Speedy was a sidekick, they were firmly part of the lineup. But there was an unofficial eighth member, which was the Crimson Avengers sidekick, Wing. And... Um, mm-hmm. In fact, Roy Thomas inserts a dig here uh, later in this issue about why they never included Wing, even though he was featured in all 14 of the adventures of, you know, the Seven Soldiers of Victory in their uh, run in leading comics <laughs> in the Golden Age, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. we should also mention that they have, uh, they're also known by the name of Law's Legionnaires. You know, that yep. that's their second sort of uh, um, uh, known nom de guerre. Uh, Law's Legionnaires, which is interesting. You know, I like that. I mean, Law, Justice Society, Law's Legionnaires, they they obviously did that to sort of juxtapose them with the Justice Society a little bit. Yeah, I don't know if they wanted to have a backup name in case somebody else patented Seven Soldiers of Victory before them or (laughs) trademarked it, but (laughs) yeah, it's fun. I like it. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It sounds good. It it rolls Mm -hmm. off the tongue. So Law's Legionnaires, Seven Soldiers of Victory, it all works. So uh, just some information here. Of course, the vigilante Greg Saunders, he um, first appeared in Action Comics number 42 from uh, November 1941. He was created by Mort Weisinger and Mort Meskin. And then the Crimson mm-hmm. Avenger, one of the earliest masked heroes, as I've mentioned, first appeared in Detective Comics number 20. And that's from October 1938. So he predates Batman, obviously. And then he was mm-hmm. created by Jim Chambers. And then you've got Green Arrow and Speedy. They were created by Mord Weisinger and George Papp. And they first appeared in More Fun Comics number 73 from November 1941. And mm-hmm. then The Shining Knight, uh, created by Craig Flessel. Craig Flessel, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. But he was the writer and artist. He first appeared in Adventure Comics 66 in September 1941. And then The Star Spangled Kid, created by Superman co-creator Jerry Siegel and Hal Sherman, and uh, he first appeared in, of course, Star Spangled Comics number one from October 1941, Stripesy 2, his sidekick there. So uh, just some some, uh, more technical information here uh, about the characters of uh, the Seven Soldiers of Victory. And they would have an interesting history together, you know, in leading comics. And then later on in the 70s, I think, early 70s, 1972, they would return to the pages of DC Comics in a Justice League story featuring a villain mm-hmm. called the Nebula Man and of course their classic vil- villain which is the, f- the the Iron Hand or first he was just called the Hand but you know they're that's basically the main villain of the Seven Soldiers of Victory, of Victory this, this villain called the Hand <laughs> yeah so he would also have a hand pardon the pun in bringing them back in JLA <laughs> uh, you know in 1972 and then yeah so, so we'll talk about that more. But let's get into this issue particularly. Mm-hmm. Really. So I've, I've given the synopsis. It features a guy called Dr. Doom. And uh, we'll, we'll talk <laughs> a, a little bit about him. 
But first, I want to get your thoughts, like um, you know, about this plot and about the issue uh, concerned. Like, what what did you think? Okay, so this story is absolutely bonkers. Uh, <laughs> well, it's first, a golden age story. First off, <laughs> well, yeah, okay, sure, yeah, absolutely. That that does uh, <laughs> that, that's a good explanation for it. So, look, if you had some kind of time machine and you could bring people from the past into the future. And you brought back this group of uh, conquerors, uh, world conquerors, no, con yeah, warriors, leaders, dictators, all that stuff. They would never get along. First of all, they'd look, take a look at each other, and just start swinging swords and trying to off each other because they were all crazy and they just wanted to be. Nobody wanted to share the spotlight, so this would never work. <laughs> I, <don't laughs> I agree. <laughs> I don't think this would ever work in a million years. But again, it was a fun, crazy story. So. You know, as a reader, it does work out. But I think it and wasn't this story, you know, what does Roy say? One of his footnotes loosely based off of, uh, no, like you said, a leading comics. It's actually directly based off of leading comics number three. Yeah. Yeah. From so, 1942. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Because, um, you know, uh, this is a flashback issue. So this is, of course, they, mm -hmm. they it's abbreviated because they couldn't yeah. fit uh, that, that comic in. Because, uh, you know, comics back then, they ran for 57 pages or more. You know, yeah. so and and each character, you know, just similar to the All Star comics featuring the Justice Society, had their own, you know, story where uh, they would go off on their own, each each member of the team, to to deal yeah. with his particular, uh, you know, assignment or villain. So you know, mm -hmm. Billy, they couldn't fit in anything into this what thirty-two page comic, but they tried, <laughs> and they succeeded. <laughs> each seven, each one of the seven soldiers have their own sort of golden age story taken from that leading comics number three tale but it's one page mm -hmm. per soldier devoted you know to to a soldier so uh mm -hmm. you know uh, i think roy and jerry fitted in nicely it it, it all works oh, yeah but of course there's lots mm -hmm. of stuff they had to leave out from the original tale so i guess you could say it's loosely based on it but but the the, the events basically are directly referenced from the like you say the original leading comics number three Yep, for sure. And then, like you said, there's a little bit of like bridging material here at the beginning when it shows the shining knight uh, on his uh, winged horse uh, smashing the crap out of uh, some Nazi planes that are uh, invading England, which is a really good scene there. Yeah, he damages this Nazi bomber. But the way mm. it looks is that, that uh, you know, winged victory is, is, is worried there for a second because the, the rotor <laughs> of the plane is right next to his neck and... Even looks like, I mean, from the way Sir Justin's swinging his sword, that winged victory's one wing, his left wing, would have been, you know, um, mutilated Clip. by that rotor. Yeah, Clipped, clipped or something. <laughs> but luckily, yeah. that doesn't happen. And then he's just barely dodging this um, belly gunner, <laughs> you know, who's, mm -hmm. who's discharging this belly gun at winged yeah. victory. I mean, he, it's very close <laughs> to his uh, to, to, to winged victory's uh, private parts there, right? Yeah. <laughs> the way he's shooting... Damn, so no wonder um, he's worried, the horse mm -hmm. he is. But Sir Justin, no. Avant, ye hellish huns. Hi, ye back oh. to Berlin. Your tail twixt mm -hmm. your legs. I love his dialogue. And oh, then, yeah, that's something I did miss big time, his dialogue. <laughs> and we're going to have a lot of Winston Churchill quotes in this one. Roy even, I mean, I opened up this episode with a quote from Winnie, and Roy does mm -hmm. the same. He says, um, Winston Churchill, June 17th, 1940, we shall defend our island home. I <laughs> <laughs> gotta love that I love it it's awesome and then you know after the Spitfires get into action and, and take down the bomber that Sir Justin has damaged 
he lands and then uh, uh, Winston Churchill hands him a message uh, from Liberty Bell saying that the first official meeting of the All-Star Squadron has been called. And uh, we've, we've seen Liberty Bell talking about that ever since they, they mm-hmm. managed to find a headquarters for themselves, which is the Perisphere um, mm-hmm. and the Trilon. Now, uh, you know, things are getting more official here, right, Billy? So Liberty Bell, yeah. as chairwoman of the All-Star Squadron, she's been, you know, getting the meeting together. And uh, now, finally, the the, the uh, folks are receiving their individual telegrams. They, they need to show up. Uh, but, you know, um, uh, that makes Sir Justin a bit maudlin, right? That he's now mm-hmm. thinking about his compatriots in the All-Star Squadron. And even, uh, Winston Churchill even mentions that he might be thinking about a certain red-haired la- young lady. <laughs> uh-huh. And we know who that is. Now, I'm thinking, mm-hmm. Billy, this is just my, my, my theory here. Yeah, he was thinking about the All-Star Squadron and the adventures he shared with them. And then as soon mm-hmm. as when he brought up Firebrand, Sir Justin, to, de- to deflect this uh, embarrassing <laughs> moment, he's just like, oh, no, no, actually, I was thinking about this other team of yours. <laughs> <laughs> that I uh, used to run with the seven soldiers of victory. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now this is great because a man called Doom. Now believe I've got oh some trivia gosh. here. Listen to this. You won't believe this, right? Okay. <laughs> There's trivia concerning this man called Doom situation here. Okay. Apparently, um, yeah, he was the first Doctor Doom to show up in comics. But this mm-hmm. is Doom with an E at the end, right? So this is actually his surname, Doom, D-O-O-M-E. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, according to Gardner Fox, um, the very first Starman villain, you know, was going to be Dr. Doom as well. But it turned out that he was Dr. Droom, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and then or Dr. Duke. Sorry, I should say Dr. Duke, D-O-O-G. And that might have been a printing error. He might have been the very first Dr. Doom, but it might have resulted in a printing error. You know, but Gardner Fox mm-hmm. can't rightfully remember, but he remembers something like that. And listen to this. It goes even further. Gardner Fox goes on to say that Dr. Fate, you know, the character he created, uh, you know, he also created Starman. But Dr. Fate was supposed to be Dr. Droom, D-R-O-O-M. But it, he could have changed it to Dr. Doom if he wanted to. But for some strange reason, he opted then to, to change it from Dr. Droom to Dr. Fate. But he considered mm. changing it to Doctor Doom proper, D O O M. So there could have been another Doctor Doom, you know, in comics before the famous Stanley and Jack Kirby uh, Doctor Doom from Fantastic Four number five when he debuted. Uh, but it never happened, and we don't really know why. Nobody opted for that name because that name is great, right? Doctor Doom is just a fantastic mm-hmm. name for a supervillain. This guy, though, he had the name of Doctor Doom. Featured in in uh, leading comics number three, but he doesn't have the visual appeal. You know, he's just a a, a little balding, a uh, little uh, you know chubby guy sitting in a in a chair most of the time. Very agile for his size, though. We'll see later on, but not not imposing as a supervillain, I'd say. Uh, maybe not, but let's not cast aspersions on people losing their hair and gaining weight. Hey, well, both you and me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just talking in, in com- comparing him to, to villains who look imposing. He's definitely not, you know, so, uh, yeah. But um, interesting that he's the first Doctor Doom to show up in comics, albeit different from the, you know, the Marvel Doom just because of one single letter E. 
Mm-hmm. So then, Billy, we get into the story. Basically, you know, like you already mentioned, these uh, five conquerors from out of time are summoned. <laughs> now, it seems Dr. Doom, he is definitely a technological um, uh, wizard because he's managed to also rig his time rod, which controls the, you know, the flow of time. Uh, mm-hmm. to translate, to be a universal translator, and everybody understands everybody else, <laughs> even though they all spoke different languages, right? Genghis yeah. Khan, you know, obviously, you know, speaking Mongolian, uh, ancient uh, form <laughs> of uh, Chinese dialect as well. And then yeah. I, I think Attila the Hun might have been able to converse with Nero because he plagued the Romans. They weren't exactly <laughs> yeah. at the same era, but they were both, you know, uh, probably could have spoken Latin. But, um, you know, the rest, no, you know, uh, French in Napoleon Bonaparte's time. And, you know, he can converse with all of them. And so, you know, wow, this guy's technology is even better than per Degaton's, I would say, because he. Oh, yeah. He literally can just travel through time because of this time rod that he has, this time beam. And he's also associated with the Time Institute, which is, uh, you know, per Degaton, you know, um, what, what he was involved with. Yeah, before he went yeah. crazy and rogue and evilish. But yeah, this guy's uh, wad looks, it reminds me of Starman's uh, it does, yeah. uh, rod a bit. Yeah, yeah, it does. A time rod and the gravity rod and, uh, you know, eventually mm-hmm. became a cosmic rod. Yeah, it does have a very similar look. Um, so Gardner Fox, you know, responsible for both of these stories, really. Uh, for Starman's story and, of course, this, this could be why, but also because... Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they might have just, uh, art, art-wise, they might have just run out of options. They wanted to give them a mobile means of traveling through time, so they, they opted for this rod. <laughs> or it might be the, the very phallic, you know, weapons. <laughs> it might, uh, well, might also be that. We don't know why. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, one of my first favorite things is on page five here that you have uh, uh, Dr. Doom introducing himself to these... Uh, characters you know Attila the Hun and Nero and Napoleon and all them and he says I am Dr. Doom and then we get a little caption by Roy that was his name honest yeah yeah (laughs) and it's true it's true you know the golden age threw Mm -hmm. up a lot of these these original names you know Um, if you think about the Spider-Man reference and that we mentioned before Mm -hmm. regarding Tarantula that he was actually the first man to be called Spider-Man in comics all of these things you know turned up in the golden age you know so Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's true that there's no truly original ideas, I guess. You know, you always get something from having read something Der- else or, you know, subconsciously remembering something. Yeah, yeah. it's derived from something, like you say. Derivatives, yeah. Mm. But Oh, yeah, and then uh, we get our buddy Dr. Doom here. Uh, he puts on a movie projector. And, of course, if you're not familiar with movie projectors because you existed hundreds <laughs> of years before the, they were even invented, Attila the Hun is... Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Dr. Doom says, until we find a weakened age where we shall seize power and rule as emperors all. And Attila the Hun says, but I have always dot dot by the gods because he, he puts on a movie projector and puts a movie on. <laughs> wow. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they're they're completely, you know, uh, enraptured by the modern technology of this age. But they seem to quickly mm-hmm. uh, accept it and, you know, to, to, uh, to sort of, utilize it as well you know because um, mm-hmm. it's just a few short hours or maybe a day or so later that they you know uh, pull a bank heist and uh, you know police officers with guns and, and guards with, with modern weapons don't seem to phase them at all I mean it seems that if you're a conqueror from, from out of time you're automatically uh, superior to regular folk 
<laughs> in terms of <laughs> but you know isn't it very strange that he would draft these uh you know world conquering historical figures to rob a bank <laughs> yeah why not just hire a bunch of like thugs but it is hilarious they charge right at these you know cops and bank you know uh oh what do you call those guys uh, the armored car guys you know they charge right at them and of them says don't come any closer or i'll have to and then napoleon no man gives orders to napoleon bonaparte <laughs> and he blasts the guard in the arm with this yeah. old flintlock pistol <laughs> <laughs> that's great <laughs> and then one of the one of the others i think it was genghis khan compliments his aim <laughs> yeah well aimed yep yep and then oh, like alexander great. the great you're gonna face cold steel and he's smacking around the guys and it's just hilarious. Grab the satchel. That's out right. Of that's <laughs> right. That's right. You know, but I do like the way that, you know, uh, Gardner Fox sort of, uh, you know, that this story was, was, was organized. Because if you think about it, if Speedy and, and Green Arrow weren't fiddling around with their two-way radios, the mm -hmm. rest of the... And, and if Alexander hadn't knocked out Speedy and taken his radio, then the Seven Soldiers wouldn't have been privy to to the information gleaned from listening, you know, to yeah. to the, because they left the radio on once they stole it and took it on the plane. And then the seven soldiers after Green Arrow, you know, called them together to deal with this threat. They were able to spy on, on Dr. Doom's plans through this simple radio. Uh, you know, that's a, that's an, a clever little conceit there by Gardner Fox and, uh, and it's well penciled mm -hmm. by Jerry Ordway and, and written by Roy here too. You know, it, it's very be <laughs> believable oh, because after all, they don't know what modern <laughs> technology is capable of. Dr. Doom probably uh. didn't realize that, you know, one of them had <laughs> stolen this radio, right? Alexander did. So, um, yeah, interesting. Well, I like that bit. Yeah. yeah, it's hilarious. It was speedy. GA, it's a holdup by a gang of Halloween types. <laughs> And he says, yeah. uh, Attila, Attila comes over and tries to cut his head off and then punches him out and then picks up the radio. And like you said, of course, he doesn't have anything. He doesn't have any clue what this is about. He says, another box that talks, but smaller than dooms. This one I shall keep for myself. How the Roman dogs will flee when they hear the voice of the gods emerge from. And then, of course, G.A. is hearing all this. So he goes, who the devil is this? Whoever it is, if you've hurt Speedy, that's <laughs> 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 great. Oh my god! It's gosh. amazing. No, no, it's really good. I, I love it. And you know, um, mm -hmm. we get a sense for each of these characters. You know, um, just in, uh, within a few short pages and panels, right? Oh, the Shining mm -hmm. Knight we already know, but this is firmly the Golden Age Green Arrow. And uh, you know, I love the Crimson Avenger, even when they made him more superhero-y by taking away his shadow-inspired look. And yeah. uh, then gave him this uh, brightly colored, you know, red and yellow uniform with this black mm -hmm. sun, you know, this eclipsed sun on the uh, on the chest as an emblem. That's just wonderful. And then mm -hmm. uh, the vigilantes just got a fantastic look as well. Oh, yeah. And then Star Spangled Kid and Stripesy, their, their look is almost too patriotic, but... You know, I love the characters, so I don't mind. You know, I've, I've mm -hmm. said in the past that I don't like patriotic superheroes for some reason. It's just not the way we were brought up, you know. Or I think British folk has the same kind of feeling towards patriotic superheroes, you know. But yeah, Captain Britain, you know, they've got them, mm -hmm. they've got him. But he was created by what Americans? I'm thinking. But <laughs> but still, you know, I um I love Star Spangled Kid and Stripesy. They're just great, you know. Um mm -hmm. and uh, 
then the same reason I love Uncle Sam. I can't really explain why. You know, just the stories that okay. I read as a kid of them, maybe. And so, uh, you know, you, you they, they have a brief discussion. And then Roy even throws in their very own, you know, um, what, it, what what is it called? Like uh, Avengers Assembles moment. Oh, when, yeah, yeah, when yeah. When he says, you know, when they decided on taking on these five time tyrants on in different locations because each of them are, are going to steal this rare metal right um, there's gold mm -hmm. that uh, napoleon's going to steal on the canadian border there's uh radium that alexander's going to heist from in florida right and then genghis khan's going to mm -hmm. steal platinum from alaska and nero's going to take you know grab a cargo of uranium from south dakota <laughs> and then when they head out Roy says, uh, you know, gives them the, the, the shout of, let's hear it, chums. What do we want? Victory. What will we settle for? Victory. <laughs> <laughs> Holy God, that's fun. You know, what, did yeah. they just decide on that beforehand or <laughs> during their many I, meetings? <laughs> I think it was just spontaneous. <laughs> yeah, it must have been, right? It must have been, yeah. They were feeling it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm feeling it reading this comic because it, it works well, it all gels mm -hmm. together, comes together nicely here. And then mm -hmm. uh, I love the bit where, you know, they each decide on which location to tackle. And uh, Genghis Khan says, he's, you know, on the radio, he's going to go for the platinum shipment in Alaska. So Justin says, by my halidom, I would like to meet this Khan. Where is this Alaska? <laughs> 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 oh, that's great. It's just cool. It is. And then they, oh, they head so off. Good. And then we get these one pagers of individual adventures right Billy um shining knights mm -hmm. first he takes out genghis khan and um you know uh, even some of genghis khan's uh, soldiers you know that that uh, dr doom must have transported from out of time from him show up to take on the shining yeah. knight with swords and they they prove no match of course for him i mean the shining knight can even block bullets thor style you know like thor did with mjolnir over at marvel Shining Knight can do that with his uh, magical blade. Uh, and yeah. then he he uh, captures all of them with, with his lance, right? <laughs> and then <laughs> Genghis Khan's yeah. just had enough of this. So he's using the time rod gifted him by Doom to just flee back to his own era. Oh, yeah. And Sir Justin says, they have returned to the dust of ancient graves. <laughs> oh, that's a great line. I love it. I love mm -hmm. it. And then the next one's the Star Spangled Kid and Stripesy, right? And there's the classic mm. Star Rocket Racer. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, showing up and they're um, foil, uh, foiling Napoleon's plan. And, you know, the funny <laughs> thing is once they've beaten up his thugs and he's fleeing through the woods, he's grabbed by some uh, sanitarium, you know, workers there. Right? The nurses, white coats. Male nurses from the white coats <laughs> carting him off to a, an asylum. Because, you know, you have these, this, this, this classic notion of, you know, some uh, mental patients thinking that they're Napoleon Bonaparte and they walk with their right. little hands in their coats, you know, like he used to do. And then, no, he's captured by actual guards who think he's insane because he's, he, he, he thinks he's Napoleon. <laughs> he's the actual Napoleon. And he's dressed as him and running around trying to speak French and they grab him and put him in a van that says Arkham Asylum. Yeah, Arkham Asylum. Yeah, there you go. Wow, That's that would have great. been ironic. The real Napoleon ending up in Arkham Asylum for the rest of his days. Because, I mean... With the Star Joker and yeah. Two-Face and... <laughs> now, uh, Star Spangled Kid does, you know, throw a bit of history our way, saying that, you know, um, it doesn't matter if he escaped because he'll be defeated at Leipzig 
and Waterloo, <laughs> and then Dire Prisoner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he yep. knows his history. The kid mm-hmm. does. And then we've got the Green Arrow and Speedy on the next mm. page taking on Alexander. Now, Alexander had a more interesting scheme here because um, he used a catapult. Now, what <laughs> the heck? I mean, did do, Dr. Doom transport this catapult for him or did he quickly draft some people to construct it because he just prefers this as a as a weapon <laughs> just i don't know yeah but this catapult I'm thinking he, he transported it <laughs> i think so yeah um this catapult just um i by the way neither of us read the original leading comic story right but it's no, available no, no. Uh-uh. in the seven soldiers of victory archives volume one there, there are three archives out collecting the entire 14 issues of leading comics featuring the seven soldiers of victory but I don't own that. I had the opportunity once of picking that up. I didn't. And now I regret Mm it. You know? So um, I would have loved to read the original. I I must be somewhere. You know, we we probably might be able to find that somewhere. But we'll just, you know, take this as what happened in the comic as well, in the original leading comics story. Uh, Alexander used the catapult to kill this uh, inventor, Leo Starr, and then he was looking for the radium. And then he found that that Leo Starr was powering these this army the small army of mm-hmm. androids robots well yeah. humanized robots but i'm i'm calling them androids because they're <laughs> humanized <laughs> as as a type of uh, strike force and then uh, rather than just take the uranium out alexander just said okay you will be my new soldiers in the 20th century and he just watched <laughs> the robots with the radium cores out of there and then green arrow of course defeated them along with speedy and then alexander also fled mm-hmm. um but I, I kind of feel there's more to that story that I want to read. That's when I want to. I really want to read the original, you know, tale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we've got uh, our buddy the vigilante here, uh, showing mm. up to take on Attila the Hun. And uh, mm-hmm. where's that happening, Billy? <laughs> uh, that would be at Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Mount Rushmore. That's right. And he's on his bike, and he's assisted by his friend Billy Gunn. Not mm-hmm. not uh, what's 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 his regular sidekick's name? I think it's called Stuffit, the Chinaman, or something. <laughs> oh yeah, well yeah. For more on him, definitely tune into uh, our buddy Ranger Gorge podcast. He has been covering, like you said, Greg Saunders, Vigilante, and Seven Soldiers of Victory. He goes really super in depth with them and all that stuff. So if you want more on him, definitely tune into to that podcast yeah. with uh, with, with Ranger him. Gorge. He's yeah. really good. That's a great podcast. Yep. I love it. I love the way he presents mm-hmm. it too. Yeah, we played a promo of oh, his, yeah. I think, recently on uh, Into the mm-hmm. Weird as well. Yeah, it's a good podcast. You should all listen to it. And uh, uh, sorry, mm-hmm. I, I meant his other partner was called Stuff, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, he was uh, like a martial arts expert, but um, he didn't mm-hmm. show up in this particular adventure, apparently, in Leading Comics. This was Billy Gunn, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, also a skilled gunfighter uh, mm-hmm. who helped him out here. So yeah, interesting that that uh, you know, uh, Vigilante's got this whole host host of uh, supporting characters that I want to get into. I believe they're very interesting folks. Oh yeah, and then here we go with my favorite one, Oof. the Crimson Avenger. Oh, I love this one. <laughs> this is taking on Nero, who's who's also. I mean, obviously, Doom tran- uh, transported this galley, this Roman-like uh, you know era galley from longboat, this, yeah, this or long, whatever. Yeah, this 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 giant the, the ship of of Nero's. <laughs> Um, yeah. This Roman galley that um, you know is sailing around uh, Long Island, uh, the Long Island vicinity, right? Where also where uh, <laughs> you know Doctor Doom has his hideout in a lighthouse. Yeah. And then uh, you know Wing and the Crimson Avenger beat up some 
Roman soldiers in full armor with weapons, mm-hmm. you know, and the reason given that they could, could uh, you know, defeat them is because they have modern fighting methods. <laughs> you know? Well, it, it doesn't last long, though. No, no, it doesn't because they're knocked out. Both of them, uh, apparently the Crimson Avengers knocked out because he was concerned for Wing. <laughs> so he's concerned, well, you know. Yeah, yeah. One, of the, one of the soldiers knocks out Wing and it gets the attention away from fighting from Crimson Avenger and he goes, Wing! And he looks at the soldier and says, why you scummy? And another yeah. one comes Ugh. up behind and knocks him out. <laughs> Great and, dialogue. And then they're, you know, relegated to being <laughs> slaves or slaves. Yeah. And they're freed yeah. by a stowaway on the galley. A kid was a stowaway on the Roman galley. He must be a history buff or something. That's why he wanted to stow away on this boat uh, called Sammy Singer. <laughs> Sammy yeah, frees them. Like, yeah, a, that's a Stan Lee name if I ever heard one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the alliteration there. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they, they are freed. They defeat the guards and then they grab Nero by his robes. And then he also opts to use the time rod to flee. And then Doctor Doom is very upset about this, that his, uh, you know, conquerors, the time tyrants, failed him. So he's raving and going mad, and he tries to blow up the approaching seven soldiers of victory with, uh, you know, a bundle of dynamite. But wow, <laughs> Vigilante shows off his amazing shooting skills here by shooting the, you know, um, with fuse. a fuse with his, you know, just quick draw. And uh, the Shining Knight catches it, this bundle of dynamite, and he says, "Twill make a fitting memento of this most unusual adventure." <laughs> mm-hmm. So he's going to keep a, a bundle of dynamite as a memento, whereas well, Alexander kept a radio. <laughs> yeah, I, but I love Vigilante's uh, dialogue there as he's shooting it off. A bomb without a fuse is like a rattler without his fangs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool, man. That's crazy. I, oh, yeah, love great. it. And then you know mm-hmm. um, they walk through this uh, this uh, entranceway with a with a trap of uh, you know the spiked booby walls, booby yeah. trapped walls closing mm-hmm. in on them. Shining Knight's sword proves too much for that. And then mm-hmm. um, they uh, cost Doom, but he's running into his time machine to escape. But this adventure is not over yet because <laughs> you know he flees no. back into the past, and they follow him because Speedy managed to get his <laughs> hand on a spare time rod. Uh-huh. And then they end up in ancient Greece, the siege of Troy, and Doom's been making friends with, you know, uh, King Agamemnon and mm-hmm. Odysseus. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, uh, Green Arrow, stri- Stripes and the Star Spangled Kid and uh, the Vigilante and, uh, you know, uh, Shining Knight. They prove too much for even the ancient Greek warriors. And because mm-hmm. of their valor, they, you know, Odysseus sort of, tends to believe them more than he does this little sniveling wretch as he calls doom (laughs) and so uh you know king agamemnon he decides to to put this to the test their loyalty or their trustworthiness right he says Mm -hmm. uh, all of you shall end up in the belly of the trojan horse of the wooden horse that we're sending into troy right and the Mm -hmm. first who who leaves the belly who, who proves himself most valorous will be trustworthy <laughs> and of course doom's not gonna have yeah, this he's yeah. not gonna end up in the belly of the trojan horse to attack troy no. he escapes with his time rod and uh you know just before stripes he sort of uh tackles him and the mm-hmm. vigilante's dialogue there is great right uh, when king agamemnon says what in the name of the gods marveling at the <laughs> technology what does the vigilante <laughs> say billy <laughs> he goes it's a kind of magic king 
makes a joke out of the calendar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they probably don't even know what a calendar is, for God's sake. <laughs> no. Then, well, even when they showed up there, Vigilante. What in tarnation? <laughs> yeah. It's great. Oh, it's great. <laughs> the and best. then, you know, the Shining Knight, though, he does, uh, even though they've got this spare time rod that Speedy has, they could follow Doom back to 1942 um yeah shining knight though he he feels that he almost doesn't want to leave because he wants he he yearns for his own time but but this is this time is closer to to what he's used to so he almost considers staying in the past here with the greeks and and you know the warriors of of greece fighting against troy even though he's probably on the wrong side of the conflict you who knows you know Mm -hmm. i mean they're besieging troy and uh, for a very flimsy reason uh, so uh, basically, uh, Doctor Doom's back in his lab, and he sees that the seven soldiers are heading back through the time stream, sort of flying through time, right? Uh-huh. This limbo, and uh, he decides to find the weak link in the chain, you know, uh, to stop them from defeating him. And he decides that weak link must be Sir Justin. <laughs> yeah, how he comes to that, I don't know, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just just deduction. He's almost right, but it doesn't work. But you know, he seems to be able to employ his technology to also just speak telepathically to one person in the time stream. Yeah. And right. uh, this is Sir Justin, and he sort of tries to tempt Sir Justin with, he'll return him to his own era of Camelot if Justin, you know, mm-hmm. lets go of the seven soldiers and just grabs the time rod and, let him, <laughs> you know, strands the rest of them in limbo, and he will return Sir Justin to his proper time. And then, of course, yeah. Justin says, I renounce you, villain, you and the temptations of time. But there was a moment there <laughs> where he sort of, you know, you we wouldn't think he would do it, but he, he did. He was pining for his own time, right? Right, yeah. But, oh, and they come blasting through the little time portal here. Mm, now Doom. This, yeah. Damn. Damn, you've returned despite my best efforts to the contrary. And Sir Justin, surrender, varlet. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it is, yeah. And I then, love it. It turns out this Doom's quite nimble, right? He, mm-hmm. he, he, what, dodges Sir Justin and runs through his legs and through the legs of the vigilante and uh-huh. uh, it escapes through his time uh, machine. But, you know, he does mention, though, that since the, the time tyrants that he employed earlier in the story failed to acquire these five special metals, he, he couldn't stabilize his machine. So that's what causes the explosion and it's also yeah. what probably caused his death because he might not have been able to reach this far future time which he was aiming for but that yeah. he, he decided to chance it to escape the seven soldiers mm-hmm. and then boom great panel by jerry oh, there yeah. as the time machine uh-huh. explodes just after doom ran into it so very that kirby-esque en- yeah very kirby-esque <laughs> it ends the adventure but mm-hmm. not before sir justin sort of uh sort of honors the seven soldiers by giving them the pledge of the round table which mm-hmm. is what king arthur did in his time and this for him is the yeah. highest honor you could bestow on on uh, comrades in arms he says whilst tyrants breathe and men conspire against their fellows and greed stalks unleashed this good right arm shall never falter nor this good sword be sheathed and you know and then the rest of the soldiers say we're with you and you know what the funny thing <laughs> about that is <laughs> He's showing him his left arm. <laughs> yeah, he has his left arm out holding the sword. So it is kind of funny, but yeah. Yeah, what so he's he left-handed. Or... I mean, we know that from him slashing the rotor, you know, early uh, mm-hmm. on the first page of the comic. But, you know, 
That's yeah. probably King Arthur was probably right-handed. That's why he had that in the the oath. <laughs> yeah, little caption box says Sir Justin's reverie ends as it began in the Tower of Doom amid the wintry winds which wrap Long Island Sound. <laughs> yeah, Great exactly, stuff. exactly. Oh man, that's a fantastic uh, ending to that mm. adventure. And then it's not over yet for this particular issue though, because Mm-mm. Sir Justin's reverie ends with him still, you know, talking uh, to Winston Churchill, and Winston has Churchill. just assumed that sir justin would answer the summons and head off to the states immediately but sir justin surprises him by saying you know uh no you know he won't go to america to answer the summons of the all-star squadron because he's needed here because Mm -hmm. but the all-star squadron he has faith in them to succeed in their endeavors and then a new camelot shall arise right from the from Mm -hmm. the defeat of the the axis powers and mm-hmm. then, you know, he, he gives this bit of a speech right at the end, Sir Justin does, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then he says, a better world will be born, phoenix-like, from the ashes of the old. And Winston, <laughs> a great writer in his own right, and a, you know, obviously a, a fan of words and great speeches, says, Sir Justin, I hope you won't take it amiss when I say I could not have said it better myself. but as our earth prime archive segment that's coming up just now will prove he probably could have said it better himself (laughs) but billy what do they tease there at the bottom of that final splash panel which is amazing by the way oh yeah it says next issue justice society versus black dragon society with a nation in the balance yeah so yeah good one that's a good one. That's actually one of my favorite Jerry Ordway interior pages as well, this last page. Oh, it it shows gosh. the rest of the All-Star Squadron, all, all the companions that uh, Justice, uh, that Sir Justin, I should say, served with mm-hmm. when, when mm-hmm. he was uh, over at, in the States in, in the start of the series. Um, it shows yeah. them. And um, I love the way that they penciled uh, Firebrand right behind Sir Justin's head there. She's smiling. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably oh, the way yeah. he remembers them, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's a great page. It's, you know, the whole issue is spectacular, but that page really stands out. But yeah, you can't just go wrong. I mean, every page that showed the one pager, you know, that you mentioned earlier, you know, how it's, you know, shows, uh, you know, the Star Spangled Kid and Stripesy versus Napoleon and how each one was uh, on their own little mission there. Each one of those huge splash pages is incredible, incredible by Orderway. But that last one is, well, that takes the cake. Yeah, no, I agree with you, man. It's, it's mm. going to be amazing. And then just to 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 end our discussion here, Billy, with the letter column, uh, mm-hmm. Roy has this special note again where he says that, you know, the reason Rick Hoberg was not on this issue and, uh, you know, is because obviously he needs some time to, to wrap up his other projects. But um, they're going to have Jerry on for this issue and then Richard Howell for the next issue, issue 30, mm-hmm. featuring the Black Dragon Society. And yeah. then... You know, of course, Rick Hoberg would start with issue 31. And then Roy also teases the fact that uh, he's he's going to um, then finally get to what happened to the Our Man question, which be, has been on everybody's minds, it seems like. Um, that's going to be done, obviously, in issue 31. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so he just explains a couple of, uh, of things there to us. And then there, we've got some interesting letters there by some fans. Um, some fans, though, the letters are published uh, a little bit late. You know, because uh, there's one guy who who was not aware of Infinity Inc. yet, and and he was asking for a book about you know uh, you know the uh, what what do you call it the um, descendants of the Justice Society. Not really, he oh, didn't use yeah. the word descendants. I think he used the word more like um, 
you know, like uh, whoever came after to pick up the mantle of the Justice Society, right? Um, yeah, Roy did address it then, yeah. Yeah, and he said, yeah, well, you, you were not aware, but we've got Infinity Inc. now, so your prayers mm -hmm. have been answered, sort of. Well, the guy's from London, so, you know, yeah. like you said, sometimes it took a little while for comics to get from here to there, and then even, you know, some of our friends from over there will tell you that some of the stuff never really made it, or yeah. it was very, very long after it came out, so of that's probably course, yeah. why. That's that's Rob Hansen, right, the guy's name, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And he also, he mm -hmm. specifically asked for another young new justice society you know so that's kind of mm -hmm. what you got in infinity inc but not not but yeah. not completely you know um mm -hmm. the justice society will still continue somewhat yeah, yeah. somewhat somewhat yeah. yeah um and uh, so interesting comments there and then uh, roy also mentions that jerry ordway will be at a minneapolis comic convention from october 15th <laughs> to 16th 1983 so nice of roy there to also you know um you know, promote jerry uh, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. yeah, so so a great uh, bit of uh, you know letter columning there, and um, mm -hmm. I always like these special notes that Roy mentions. You know, get some great information from them. And then the Billy now Earth Prime Archive though, I'm going to mention some more uh, Winnieisms here <laughs> based off of Churchill, rather <laughs> than go over because we already discussed this time of the war in a in previous episodes where you know the Battle of Britain. Uh, had been fought, uh, but the Nazis were still doing daylight bombing and nighttime bombing and sending their, their their Luftwaffe over to plague the island of Britain. But the RAF, the Royal Air Force, was pretty good at this point in time with their uh, communications network that they had set up. They would spot the, the raids coming and then they would quickly launch the planes to uh, meet them. And the Spitfires were more than a match for the Luftwaffe at that time and for the Messerschmitts mm -hmm. and so forth and the Stuka bombers. So, um, uh, lots of heroism in this time of the war. But since we already discussed it, I'm going to focus on Winston Churchill because we had a quote from Churchill and at the end, Winston Churchill in the comic said he couldn't have said it better. Now, listen, this is why I disagree with that statement. Winston, man, uh, I've, <laughs> I've, I've been made aware of these quotes before in my life, but if you read them all together, you realize this guy was, he had a, a fantastic wit. <laughs> so I'm going to start <laughs> off with my favorite. Listen to this. And you know, Winston was a great writer. After the war, he wrote his memoirs, which turned out to be a history of World mm, War yeah. II. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he said in this one quote, <clears throat> here we go. History will be kind to me, for I intend to write it. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, a good speech should be like a woman's skirt, long enough to cover the subject but short enough to create interest. Wow, my guy. Here's a classic. Here's a classic. You have enemies? Good. That means you've stood up for something sometime in your life. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a very good one. You know that one. That's a famous one. Very, very true. Here's another one, Billy. And uh, this this one, I, I particularly think about you when I when I read it because you're always very optimistic on Twitter and you, you focus on the, you know, the good side of life, um, on, on the good things in life. Churchill said, I am an optimist. It does not seem to be much use being anything else. <laughs> Isn't that true? <laughs> well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> Here's a great insult. When he was publicly insulted by Lady Astor. Uh, you know, Lady Astor said to Winston Churchill once, if I was your wife, sir, I would poison your coffee. 
And then Winston said, uh, if I was your husband, Nancy, I would drink it. <laughs> classic, classic, classic. Uh, here's another good one. Success consists of going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. So basically well, yeah. try and try again, right? Without becoming yeah, dejected, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not wrong there. Some people's idea of free speech is that they are free to say what they like, but if anyone else says anything back, that is an outrage. Is <laughs> <laughs> that wrong there? That can either. be applied to modern <laughs> context, you know. Uh, yeah, that's that's uh-huh. universal. Oh, tact. Yeah. Listen to this one, buddy. Tact is the ability to tell someone to go to hell in such a way that they look forward to the trip. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one. <laughs> oh, here's another one about try and try again. If you're going through hell, keep going. <laughs> That's just it. If you're going through hell, just keep going. Fear <laughs> is a reaction. Courage is a decision. Mm-hmm. And then we'll end it with this one, Billy. Um, continuous effort, not strength or intelligence, is the key to unlocking our potential. So, mm. yeah. So Winston had some fantastic quotes. And there are a bunch of more quotes that I could have said, but we don't want to draw it out too long, right, Billy? But that's going to be our Earth Prime archive. Winston and his uh, incomparable wit. Now, um, Winston, of course, we've said, you know, historically speaking, he's, he's not the most likable fellow. He's actually quite reprehensible. He was a bigot, an imperialist, looked down <laughs> upon the people on the... Indian subcontinent especially, but um, he was definitely a hero in a sense, you know, definitely a hero. You can't dispute that. You know, he managed to pull Britain together in a, in a time mm-hmm. of dire need there. So uh, a historical figure of note and a very intelligent bloke as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah I mean, when, he's mm. he's no different than anyone else. Uh, you know, he's he's got his faults. <laughs> yeah, of course. No of matter, course yeah. yeah, absolutely. So uh, that ends our Earth Prime Archive segment, Billy. So um, I just want to quickly mention something. Our first episode of Star Rocket Radio, our ancillary show uh, featuring Infinity Inc. has dropped. And um, if you haven't listened to that yet, we would appreciate if you give that a try, listeners. Uh, Mm -hmm. Episode 2 is on the horizon where we're going to get more into the characters and the history of each particular member of infinity inc and we're also going to discuss our favorites and a twitter poll uh that i had uh two weeks ago where i asked uh, lots of uh followers um and people in the twitter ether which infinity inc member was their favorite and it just sort of it completely steamrolled and it became something it snowballed i should say and became yeah. something so big that i couldn't even tell you all the comments but i tried my best <laughs> you know it was gr- it, it was great to see everybody was like super enthusiastic and yeah oh my gosh i within a just a few days it had probably 60 70 80 comments it was great yeah and we're gonna have to mention that on the next show when we discuss our favorite characters as well right billy you and i've got Mm -hmm. our favorites there and that's gonna be Mm -hmm. on episode two dropping soon uh star rocket radio and then Mm -hmm. billy um we've got some feedback though i think for Mm -hmm. uh all-star squadron for our Mm -hmm. wolfcast uh can you uh tell us who wrote in and what did they say yeah, it was our good buddy Martin Gray, or Mart, as we uh, refer to him. And uh, he said, thanks for another top episode. And he said, what a cracking two-parter. 
you know, speaking of the uh, previous two issues. Um, and he said, uh, fate, yeah. Yep. He said, I've liked Richard Howell since his work on Shadow War of Hawkman and Vision and Scarlet Witch. It's weird to think he drew this first. He said, I'd forgotten completely, but he said his work here didn't disappoint. And uh, one splash spread and number 27 is splendid. And he said, I've never seen any way actually make a green energy bubble seem like a bubble with the way he has people leaning against the curves. But um, And then he also said about uh, a uh, what was a, kind of a, a we had a question about that one uh, French artist, uh, Gerald Horton, hmm. why he was on a, as an inker. So uh, that was funny. And he said maybe he came via occasional collaborators, uh, Jean-Marc and Randy Lafissier, maybe? Hmm. It would be how you pronounce that, but... I'm not sure. Yeah, no. so maybe there maybe there was some connections there, but... Yeah, he yeah, said he enjoyed be. the rundown of the early history on Sargon the Sorcerer as well, so that, uh, you know, and he did say about him becoming a villain later on in the Bronze Age, which I think you did mention quickly yeah, when we were we discussing that. that. Yeah. Briefly. yeah, that was because of the Jewel of Life that uh, pulled the Dr. Fate mask. <laughs> a mask of Naboo, <laughs> I said... I should say, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, uh, briefly. So, yeah, he did become evil because of the influence of the, the Jewel of Life. Yeah, interesting. Very and interesting. Then, yeah, and then he also said about our little quip with uh, how in the world did everybody around the world see Kulak when, you know, it's a, uh, a round planet. <laughs> and he said, I've no problem with everyone all over the world seeing Kulak in the same way at the same time, despite topography. It's magic. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) That explains everything away. It is an issue filled with magic. Oh, man, you know, that comment was great from Mart. It, it, It makes, you know, if you think about it, actually, we should agree with that, right, too. Um, Because think Uh, about it, Billy. uh, You know, uh, most recently I had like a a longtime friend. I think I mentioned this on another episode. I don't know when. It was probably not in the All-Star Squadron episodes we've done. But a friend of... Uh, of mine and I, we we parted ways because of a, a dispute over the Aquaman movie, you know, um, where mm-hmm. the, the friend, he, well, the, the former friend, I should say, <laughs> we're not friends anymore because of this <laughs> incident. Um, he said, okay, he loves Guardians of the Galaxy 2. They came out roughly at the same time, right? I think three years ago or so. And he loves Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I love Guardians of the Galaxy 2 too, but I said I prefer Aquaman. And he said, how could you prefer a movie that makes no sense? So I said, well, what do you mean it makes no sense? So he said, well, they're riding sharks in the movie. And I said, yes, I mean, so what? And then he said, well, the sharks are stationary. And I mean, okay, so, and they said, sharks have to keep moving, otherwise they'll die. You know, they, they, that's the way their gills work. And I'm like, oh my God, okay. So... You're, you're watching a movie where people have possibly genetically engineered these sharks or used magic to, to affect this, this uh, stationary shark situation. Mm-hmm. A- and you're criticizing it and you're saying that that's impossible and the movie's not believable because of that? That does make no sense. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's based on comic books. And then <laughs> we on, had man. this huge, you know... Uh, you know, fall out just because of that. Now, I've reached out to the friend because I realize this has been silly, but he's been, you know, unresponsive. So, yeah, we've basically parted ways. But, I, yeah, it's just a similar situation. You just have to say, oh, I, sh- I should have been, you know, just uh, have said in that case, you know, just it's magic, you know, whatever. It's it's water magic. <laughs> you know? well, I, that guy must really hate Aquaman. Don't tell Rob Kelly. Yeah, well, <clears throat> he's pro- he probably knows <laughs> about this. <laughs> I think I mentioned it. Might have. I, I don't know. 
I might have mentioned it on Facebook too, but um, yeah, I, it's just uh, you know interesting. You know, I just wanted to take a dig at the flat earthers. That's why I wanted to comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So no, thanks for Martin. You know, he always has some interesting comments, um, and we mm-hmm. love the guy. It's, it's uh, you know, I love uh, the reading his stuff and love it when you send me the email that we've gotten um, so that I could mm-hmm. prep a bit and read Martin's stuff. So, um, uh, Billy, any other uh, feedback that we have? Nope. That's it for okay. now, man. Well, then uh, we're gonna leave you guys with our where you can reach us on Twitter. And uh, believe I'm at Dark Longbox uh, and Into Weird, and uh, we're also we've also got the new account at Star Rocket Radio for our Infinity Inc. podcast. Where can they find this show and you specifically? Yeah, the show is at All Squadron, and uh, I'm at Billy D underscore Licious. That's right, and please feel free to DM us at any of those accounts. We don't mind. We love DMs. Um, I can understand if you're a hot babe who's got her picture on your twitter account that you might say in your profile no dms i can completely understand that there are some real dogs out there who's going to send dick pics or whatever but we're not like that (laughs) i mean not that we want any of those pics please don't send it to us but you know feel feel free to either email us or just engage with us on twitter both of that you know uh, those ways will be used as feedback on, on coming episodes, right, Billy? <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Or or email us, a world on fire podcast at gmail.com. That's cool, too. Yeah, yeah. That's the preferred method. But, uh, you know, like we say, we're on Twitter most of the time. So we're probably, you know, uh, we're more likely to immediately reply on Twitter. But mm-hmm. the email address is there for a reason. So we appreciate that, you know, if you guys mm-hmm. want to send us some feedback there. And um, we're still waiting for a voice message on Anchor. <laughs> So if anybody wants to <laughs> to put their voice out there, you know, you could do that too. Leave us a voice message. Yeah, that. And then too, don't be afraid. We uh, love to get uh, reviews and ratings on, you know, all the podcatcher apps too. So Apple Podcasts, you know, reviews or Spotify, Stitcher, all those things. Uh, leave us a review. That would be great. That's right. But, you know, you can look forward to our next episode, I believe, when we've got our first ever guest showing up Mm -hmm. Uh, i think we can tease that we're not going to say who it is but we're going to leave that as a surprise but but we're Mm going to say you know as a form of explanation for why we only did uh one covered one issue this time around Mm -hmm. it's because we're having a guest on to discuss the next uh seminal issue of the jsa adventure featuring the black dragon society and and that's going to be a good one and after that we'll pick up with um that's another reason we wanted to do two single issues and in the span of two episodes is because, um, you know, uh, after that, we'll be discussing the long awaited by many of our listeners uh, storyline featuring our man and the Freedom Fighters, which you and I mm. are huge fans of. We love the team, the Freedom mm-hmm. Fighters. I've gushed over my love for uh, over Uncle Sam and the Freedom mm-hmm. Fighters before. And so uh, that's why we didn't want to break that one up too much, even though we're going to have to break it up a little bit. You know, once we get into the discussion, <laughs> I think it's better to start it off with, you know, if we start off that storyline with two issues in a row. Yeah, for sure. All right, Billy. Well, I'm out of here. I'm going to read some more comics. You're probably going to uh, catch some much needed sleep uh, before your work week commences. But that's not mm-hmm. going to deter us from prepping for future episodes. <laughs> so we'll be back mm-hmm. with... Uh, Another episode of the Woffcast, or the Asscast, as uh, some of our listeners <laughs> like to call it now, which is our fault. 
Um, and you can uh, look for us pretty soon in two weeks' time when we uh, offer mm-hmm. up another episode. So thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, take care of yourselves. Mm-hmm. Take care, everybody. Cheerio. See you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs> These cruel, wanton, indiscriminate bombings of London are, of course, a part of Hitler's invasion plan. He hopes, by killing large numbers of civilians and women and children, that he will terrorize and cow the people of this mighty imperial city and make them a burden and anxiety to the government and thus distract our attention unduly from the ferocious onslaught he is preparing. Little does he know the spirit of the British nation or the tough fibre of the Londoners whose forebears played a leading part in the establishment of parliamentary institutions and who have been bred to value freedom far above their lives. <laughs>